Welcome back, everybody, to Coworkers Killing Time. This is the 12th episode of our show. And if you heard the introduction music, you probably realize that it's a True Crime Tuesday, which it should not, in our scheme of things, be a True Crime Tuesday. But with our 13th episode coming up next week, we had a really good idea that correlated with the number 13. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to switch things around. So today, Robin, what are we talking about? Female serial killers. Oh, yeah. And we both found, funnily enough, uh, historical female serial killers. So I know some people, when we were talking about doing this topic, were suggesting more recent female serial killers. uh, But we both went back in time. So There's plenty. And we have plenty of time. There's plenty. We can go back. And this is... I was very interested in the one that I'm doing prior to this because I had new information about it. So I am going to be covering Delphine LaLaurie from New Orleans. Um, My research for this was I listened to the podcast on Delphine LaLaurie. I listened to the Audible book Mad Madam LaLaurie. And then I went to History.com's website, the Wikipedia about her, and then Ghost City Tours website because that's actually the company I used when I was in New Orleans to go on a ghost tour that brought you by her house. So, so cool. Yeah, it was really cool. So Delphine LaLaurie was a socialite living in New Orleans. She was born March 19th, 1787. She was married three times, and this is disgusting, but the first of which happened when she was 13 years old. Awful. Awful. But the most consequential marriage that she had was her third marriage. In 1825, she married a physician. I'm going to pronounce this very American because I am not a French speaker, but... I've heard them say Leonay, but uh, Leonard is how it's spelled. (laughs) So Leonard Louis Nicholas LaLaurie. In 1831, they bought the property, which is located at 1140 Royal Street in New Orleans. And that would become an infamous property. Again, if you know anything about this and you're listening to this, you know that their house is the thing. So her husband was a doctor who came from France to straighten crooked backs, as he said. That was what he was doing. So he was basically a chiropractor, just helping people with that. They met when one of her five children that she already had before meeting him uh, needed back straightening. And he was much younger than her. So she was now 38 with five children and considerable wealth of that time. I think she was worth like almost $70,000, which $70,000 in 1831 was probably lots of money. money. And it was solely hers because I I don't remember what happened with her first husband. I think he got arrested or something and had to go on the run, but her second husband died. So all of the wealth that they had accumulated and she was already previously a socialite was just hers now. Wow. So like financially free in 1831 as a woman... Wow. Go her. Uh, But I don't want to cheer her on too much because she does suck really bad. So um, they became pregnant out of wedlock and were married five months after the birth of their son. And then because they were so wealthy, they went to a notary and had the date rolled back six months prior because, God forbid, some socialite has a baby without being married. But I think even more scandalous than that was that she was 40 and he was only 25. Wow. Oh, yeah. So they would often fight. They had a very volatile marriage. Uh, They would separate and get back together. By November 1832, their marriage was dissolving with witnesses claiming and supporting Delphine's claims that LaLaurie had beaten her. The property was now hers alone as he moved to a new address. 
So for years, there had been rumors and events and letters even written by her husband to various people in his family or acquaintances, speaking of how cruel she was to the slaves living in their house. But people weren't sure what to believe because when they saw them out in public, their enslaved people were very clean and healthy. But when they would go to these massive parties at their house, if you looked really close at the people, they were very gaunt, malnourished. Some of them would just randomly disappear and there would be a new person, which again, at the time, I don't think a lot of socialites were really like up on that or keeping track of any of these people. And that's horrible looking back now. But again, in that time, that was a common practice. So if people paid more attention, I think they probably would have seen the mistreatment. Right. So... Uh, or would they have even said anything? No, no, well, and that's what I'm saying. For the time, it's normal. Yeah. Um, however, some guests to their home did note that there were frail and feeble slaves working within the premises because New Orleans did have a law that protected people who were enslaved against abuse at this time. So her first recorded and known victim, being a serial killer, was a young enslaved girl who they don't even know what her name was the records all say different things. Some say like Leia, some say Lee, some say something else. So everyone pretty much agrees that if she even existed, and this is kind of important as we yeah. go through this story, if this girl even existed, her name started with an L. She was around 12, they think. So this is her first known victim. So she was the person who took care of Delphine and brushed her hair. And did all of that type of thing for her, like helped her get ready for bed and things. So while she was brushing her hair one day, the brush got caught in her hair and snagged. So she was then chased by Delphine. Because in the podcast I was listening to that I referenced earlier, she said, and she was the only source that I saw this, but she said, oh, the sna- it got snagged. And Delphine went to reach for her to, like, whip her or hit her. And she backed away to run because she was young and she had noticed all of the people going missing. And that made it so much worse because now you ran away. Yeah. And she chased her through the house to a window and the girl fell out of the window And ended up dying because she fell from the second floor. Some reports say the third floor, some say the second. And again, that will be important later in my story. So her death was not reported by Delphine, obviously. But witnesses did report seeing a girl fall from the roof to or the second floor to the police. However, without a body, she could not be technically punished. So people will differ on whether her body was hidden in a well or a garden. Again, the podcast I was listening to today and several other sources, like the book I was listening to on Audible, said, oh, all of the bodies prior to the big event happening were buried within their garden. But then when I was reading the History.com article, they were saying, oh, no, this young girl's body was in the well on the property. So, again, there's all of these nuances within the story that you're not really sure. So, but either way, this young girl is the first recorded one. So, because there was a witness, though, and this claim was made against her, she was fined and nine slaves were to be sold. However... Being rich, she planned the sale secretly to a extended family member and was able to get all of her slaves back into wow. her house. So in April 1834, three years after they purchased the house, the Lorries together, even though they were divorced are separated, not really divorced. I don't think that was of that time. But even though he was living on his own property, they threw a big party together at the property. Because, you know, that's what you do in those times. You're separated, but you got to keep it going for appearances sakes. Mm -hmm. 
So they threw a party and a fire broke out. The fire, they discovered, had been emanating from the kitchen. And upon entering the kitchen, the people who were guests at the party and the first responders who responded to this found the cook, who was a 70-year-old woman, chained to the stove. So it appeared that she had lit the fire. Again, differing reports. Some say there was a match next to her. Some say that when they ran in, she outwardly said she had lit the fire uh, to commit suicide because it would be better than whatever punishment she was going to get. But again, she was chained to the stove. That doesn't change no matter what story you hear. As people were exiting the house, the other enslaved people were asking them to please go enter the third floor room and save the people that were imprisoned there. The New Orleans Bee, which was a paper at this time, reported that the LaLauri's refused to give the keys to the door, so the door was broken down by the firemen. Seven enslaved people were located inside. They were mutilated, their limbs were torn away and or broken, and reset in different horrible ways. As time went on, the story became even more fantastical. Some reports said that people's bones had been reset to resemble a crab. Another had a deep head wound with maggots coming out of it, thus becoming more and more graphic in media reporting and just word of mouth reporting. So there's really no way of knowing, like, it probably wasn't that bad, but... It got more salacious as it went. So she was a featured character on American Horror Story, and it was the coven season, and I did watch this, and Kathy Bates played her, and she did a wonderful job. And you can tell they totally made all of these punishments so much more fantastical than Than they they probably were even able to. So Delphine was said to escape to France and was never punished for her crimes. So that right there is the story, but obviously I have so much more notes. And that is the story that most people tell about her, most people hear about her. And that was what I knew about her based off of all the media renditions of her and the ghost story tour. And I thought it was very interesting that when I started listening to this podcast and reading the book to find out more of her, that people were saying like, oh, no, a lot of this is just different things misconstrued throughout history or set up against her because of a patriarchal society and her being a rich woman. So we're going to dive a little bit into that. She was horrible. She did mistreat and kill slaves and enslaved people on her property, but much of the story is believed to be exaggerated because she was a rich woman who married a handsome, young, eligible bachelor, taking him away from the younger, rich debutantes of New Orleans society at the time. So a lot of people were out to get her that way. So again, there's reports that her first victim, that young girl, might not even be a real person. So this witness could have been somebody within society who was angry about whatever and just reported her for that. She was also financially free on her own. So the house that they bought, and I will put a picture of this up on the Instagram because it's a huge house. And even in like the 1900s, it was huge. Uh, But she bought it with almost no support from her husband. She purchased the house. It was hers. And that's why when they decided to separate, he had to leave the property because it was her house. So that's a badass woman thing right there that I'm pretty, like, happy about that there was women like that. But again, she's a horrible person. So it's trying to, like battle that in your mind. Mm -hmm. Finally, most stories that came out that night cannot be corroborated, obviously. Uh, And in the podcast I was listening to in reference to this, she was talking about a different newspaper, but I didn't write it down because they were just pumping out like salacious stories. It was like, oh, what's the most tabloidy thing we can write in the 19, almost 1900s? Here you go. This is what happened. And it wasn't even in New Orleans. It was just like putting out the story to put it out. 
So you don't know what you can believe. But the most damning thing is the house at this time did not, in fact, even have a third floor. So while the house today does have a third floor, it is a very different house than the one that was in the fire because of all the different accounts, articles, etc., and conflation within the media and the gossip within the people. They're not sure if the story has been sensationalized to be more gruesome or if she really was a monster that's part of the downfall of history changing all these facts on her. Uh, They said that most of the house was destroyed in the fire and that if firemen could actually get into the house to do anything, there's no way they could have gotten to a second or third floor because the whole house burned so quickly. So you don't know what to believe. Um, I do think she mistreated her enslaved people, though. I just want to make that clear that I'm not giving her any sort of pass on that. She was a horrible and cruel person, for sure. She did target her slaves for cruel punishments and maybe even death. But finally, and this was the most interesting thing of all, she's married to a doctor who was a surgeon who was performing surgeries and experimental procedures on people's backs to make them better. So if somebody is going to be committing human experiments, Mm -hmm. do you think it's going to be this woman who's like 40 years old and that's middle-aged? I mean, not middle-aged. That's like elderly for this time. Or do you think it's going to be her 25-year-old doctor husband who's trying to find the latest medical advancements? Yeah. And that was something else that people were saying in all the research I was finding was the, her children lived in the house, too. Her husband lived in the house, too. So if all of this was going on, maybe they weren't doing it, per se, but they're involved. So why was no one else that lives in the house blamed throughout history? It's only her, it's and only she's her. the devil. And it makes you think, like, yeah, it's the 1800s. She's a rich, wealthy woman on her own. She'd been married three times. I don't think people liked that. Right. She got pregnant with this man before marrying him. I don't think people liked that. And especially that she would... How dare you be an older woman and marry a younger man? I really don't think people liked that. And what a way to represent that part of the country. You know, they're very proud. Right. You know, of... of Well, and in doing more research, and I didn't have this in my notes, but I remember it from when I was reading. I can't remember what site, but I think it was maybe on the history.com site. They had made it very evident that there were many people in her family who had had biracial relationships and that that was very normal for Louisiana during this time. So was she really doing all this stuff? Who knows? Right. You don't know. Did she have have some sort of hatred towards her slaves? It's possible. Or it could just be all of this frenzy. So today the house sits on 1140 Royal Street. It's very ominous if you go and see it. Uh, in January 2016, I went on a ghost tour at night. I visited the house. You cannot go inside. You can only look at it outside. But on the tour, they said, if you look at the house, you notice it looks like it's moving. And it really does. It's so creepy. It's so creepy. So owners over the years have reported hauntings, ghostly occurrences, and bad luck for anyone who does own it or visit the inside of it. So they said in the 1900s, the socialites of the time would have dinner parties there. And so many crazy things happened where they heard people moaning or things would like clatter from above on the third floor because now there was a third floor. Or there was all these different noises. 
they just stopped letting people go into it for that purpose because so many crazy things were happening. So we'll never know the truth about Delphine, but she does remain one of the United States' most (coughs) prolific serial killers and is one of the most graphic stories, and it continues throughout history to get more and more fantastical, especially as these things in the media make her into a character, because I'm sure there's plenty of people that watched American Horror Story and were like, this is exactly what happened, right. and it's not historically it's not. accurate. Sure. So that is not one of those who no. watched that. No, I was not. <laughs> so that is my story. So I just have a question about the house. Mm-hmm. Is it is it a private owner now, or is it owned by the town? So when we went, they said it was a private owner. At one point, they said that Nicholas Cage owned it, but he had sold it, because he owns, like different things in New Orleans. I think he has like a tomb or a mausoleum already all set up in one of the graveyards for himself. So he had owned that house for a while, but again, like bad things happened. So he had sold it. And I I believe when we went on the tour, it could be different now because it's five years later. But when we went on the tour, I think they said that a company had owned it and they had done parties and things there, but like things would happen and the doors would blow open on the second floor and crazy stuff. Yeah. That's pretty nuts. Yeah. Did you enjoy your ghost ride? Yes. There were so many interesting things that happened on that. So this was a big part of it for me because I just find her so interesting because it's a historical thing and who knows if it's true or not. Uh, And then there was another story, which I would like to do more research on and maybe talk about in another episode about how where the farmer's market is now in New Orleans was like the port where all the ships came when people were being sent to live there. And there was this gang that was headed up by a woman and it was like all women gangsters that would like... I mean, this isn't nice or good, but they would, like, murder people and rob them when they came off the boat or, like, rich dudes, they would get into, like, a prostitution type thing and, like, end up robbing them. So that was pretty interesting. Because, again, for the time, like, these women are pretty pretty entrepreneurial and badass making do with what they can. Bucking the system. Yeah. For them, but no, don't. No, but, but it is, it's if you do go to New Orleans, definitely go on a ghost tour. And the one we went on, I think it was that Ghost City Tours, and it included a stop at a bar and a free like drink when you went. So wow. it was very fun. Okay, so did you know about her before you went to her house, or did you find out about her when you went? Yes, there? because I believe the American Horror Story Coven had already come oh, out or okay. was coming out, and there was some okay. sort of like discussion of it, or I had already seen that. I don't remember, but I knew a little bit about the story. And then when we went there, I was like, oh, this is the house. Okay. This is so interesting. But I did wish that we could go inside. But again, it's all modernized because the original house burned down and was rebuilt in the 1900s. And as these different people have owned it, they have modernized it. Right. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. So, Robin, who are you going to tell us about? I don't know that about? mine is quite as exciting as yours, but what I what I was fascinated about with her, her name is Amy Archer Gilligan. She's actually from uh, from Connecticut. Her, they lived in Windsor, so it's very kind of local to oh, wow. okay. us, mm-hmm. near us. So I'll just read this as a Wikipedia uh, article. So Amy Duggan, sister Archer Gilligan. She was born on October 31st, 1873. So I think that's interesting that she was born on Halloween. Just saying. Mm -hmm. She was a nursing home proprietor and serial killer from Windsor, Connecticut. She murdered at least five people by poisoning them. One of her victims was her second husband, Michael Gilligan. 
The others were residents of her nursing home. It is possible that Archer Gilligan was involved in more deaths. The authorities counted 48 deaths in her nursing home. Oh, total. wow. So from um, the, the Archer Home for the Elderly and Infirm was the name of it. The case attracted wide publicity at the time and had been cited as an inspiration for the play Arsenic and Old Lace. I've never so, heard of that. What? Okay. That was interesting to me because I've heard, I've never seen it, but I've certainly heard of it. Um, and then, then the film, F- Frank Capra's film of the same name. Amy Duggan was born on October 31st. We said this already. She was the eighth of 10 children. She attended the Milton School and the New Britain Normal School in 1890. <laughs> so we had something called the New Britain Normal School. In Connecticut, okay. Um, she married. I'm guessing it's in New Britain. It's in New Britain. <laughs> Hard hit in New Britain. Let's see. She was a nursing home proprietor in Windsor. She murdered at least five people by poisoning them, including her second husband. Oh. Um, authorities counted 48 deaths in her nursing home. It is possible she was involved in many more than that. She married James in 1897. They were hired as caretakers for an elderly widower, John Seymour. When he died, his heirs converted his house into a boarding residence for the elderly, calling it Sister Amy's Nursing Home for the Elderly. Okay, wait, so did she kill that guy? I don't think so. Okay. I don't know, but I don't think so. Because that could have been, like, her victim that spurned all this, huh? Three years later, his heirs sold that house, and then the archers bought a home of their own in Windsor and converted that one to the Archer Home for Elderly and Infirm. Okay. Then her husband, James, died three years later. In 1910. hmm And he died of apparent natural causes, so they say. Amy took out insurance policy weeks before his death, though. Like, I think it was okay. three weeks or some weeks before he died. Um, and then after he died and she got that money, she was able to keep the, the nursing home running. Three years later, Amy married Michael Galligan, a wealthy widower who had four adult sons. He died three months later after their marriage um, from severe indigestion was what that was. So that was poisoning. He left his entire estate to Amy in a will that was drawn up during their short three-month marriage, and that will was later determined to be uh, a fraud. It was a forgery by Amy. Of course it was. Between 1907 and 1917, there were 60 deaths in the Archer home. Relatives of her clients grew suspicious as they tallied the large number of deaths. Only 12 residents died between 1907 and 1910, but 48 residents died between 1911 and 1916. Isn't that crazy? Among them was Franklin R. Andrews and, and an apparently healthy man. On the morning of May 29th, 1914, he was doing some gardening in the Archer house. His robust physical condition deteriorated in a single day, and he was dead by evening. Okay, that's poison also. The official cause of his death was gastric ulcer. Yeah, okay. After Andrew's siblings, including Nellie Pierce, came into possession of some of his letters, they noted occasions where Amy Archer Gilligan was pressing their brother for money. Amy's client showed a pattern of dying not long after giving her a large sum of money. Oh, so my it's gosh. like they would give her some cash right. and then she would kill him off. So that's crazy. Can I borrow this? But I'm never going to return it because you're going to be dead. <laughs> you're going to be dead soon. <laughs> so cool. Uh, as the deaths continued, Nellie Pierce reported her suspicions to the local district attorney, but he mostly ignored her. So she took her story to the Hartford Current and just, I have a 
copy of that, we can put that up just because it's okay, fascinating. Cool. Yeah. So it was on May 9th, 1916, the first of several articles on the murder factory they called that home. Oh my gosh. Was published. A, f- a few months later, the police started to seriously investigate the case, and the investigation took almost a whole year to complete. The bodies of Gilligan, Andrews, and three other boarders were exhumed. All five have died of poisoning, either arsenic or strychnine. I'm sorry. I've never really seen that word. I was going to say, I I would, did they say what kind of poison, um, but they did. Local merchants were able to testify that Amy had been purchasing large quantities of arsenic, supposedly to kill rats. But according to my research, it appears that she did not buy all of the arsenic which killed her patients. The doctor, I assume of the boarding house, and some of the patients themselves had signed off. So did they know that they were signing off to purchase arsenic or was she like telling them... Oh, we have to sign off to purchase your medicine. I'm assuming that's what she was doing. I don't know, but I feel like they did not sign off willingly for <laughs> murder. I think they thought it was, it was just for the killing of the when many, you, many rats that they must have had. When you originally said merchants were surprised to learn that she was, or yeah. were saying that she was buying the arsenic, I thought you were going to say she was buying like tons of apples to make arsenic, <laughs> and that's oh, why no one oh. knew. But nobody was like, hey, this lady's buying tons of rat yeah. poison for rats, but all of her patients are dying. I know. I don't know who actually made that connection, but I, you know, somebody had to be like, Apparently oh, it was Nellie, oh. the sister. She's the only yeah. one. Nellie was like, hey, something's not right. <laughs> so, um, let's see. The investigation pursued Dr. King mm-hmm. because more evidence was piling up against him. Of course. She's using him as her scapegoat. Yes. But suspicions were focused back on Amy when someone suggested to clearly check all the records of arsenic purchases. So I don't know who it was that made that suggestion. It doesn't say. These... All these arsenic purchases. What is it? The cold medicine of 2020? Yeah, I guess so. So it says when evidence was found of Amy's sending her patients to the drugstore to buy quantities of arsenic, the police were able to arrest and convict her. Oh my gosh. So that's what it took. Um, Archer Gilligan was arrested and tried for murder originally on five counts. Ultimately, her lawyer managed to have charges reduced to a single count, the murder of Franklin R. Andrews. On June 18, 1917, a jury found her guilty, and she was sentenced to death. Archer Gilligan appealed and was granted a new trial in 1919. At this trial, she pled insanity. Mary Archer testified that her mother was addicted to morphine. Archer, <laughs> Archer Gilligan was again found guilty of murder, but this time she was sentenced to life in prison. Okay, so she didn't get killed. She Well, no. In 1924, she... She was declared to be temporarily insane. It was transferred to the Connecticut Hospital for the Insane in Middletown. I love the names mm-hmm. of all these. No, old, they're like old very things. straightforward about what it what is. What it is. So yeah, the Connecticut Hospital for the Insane, where she remained until her death on April twenty third, nineteen sixty two. So she oh, wow. she died at the hospital for the insane. Oh okay. So that's what happened to her. I was just very interested in this. Because of where it was, you know, so we're she's very like close to one of those around. angel of death killers. Because that isn't that what they call like nurses who kill patients? I think, I think it's yeah. angel of death yes. killers. Um, there's actually, I was just Googling to see what that was called and it didn't pop up. I typed in like nurses who kill their patients and it brought up this show and I think it's on investigation discovery that's called nurses who kill. And it's like, 
Okay. Wow. There's enough. There's three seasons of it. Like, there's enough nurses in the world who are becoming nurses and just start killing people. Like, yeah. I on a level, I get it because customer service. Sure. Yikes. But... And, and those are the worst people <laughs> to work with. But, but yeah. also, like, yeah. what? That That's crazy. Oh, that's a cool article. Yeah. I see the article that you have. So we'll definitely put that up on the Instagram. This we'll put her. a picture of her on the Instagram of Amy. Did, did not look she anything looks like, like I imagined. That looks like a man. To, honestly, she looks like my father-in-law back <laughs> in the day. I'm not kidding. You look it looks like I... a man with a bow tie on. She so we'll put her picture there. Well, I mean, if that's her, that doesn't Look yeah, that's bad. not so terrible. That's a ter- truly awful picture. And then we'll be sure to put up a picture of Delphine and a picture of their house. Yes, and there's a picture of her house as well. Okay, good. So we'll put all that stuff on the Instagram. It's in Prospect Street and Prospect Street in Windsor, so I am going to have to drive by. I'm going to have to do it. How could I not? Oh, my gosh. I'm going to be right there. You're going to come with me. We're going to go at lunch Apparently, that's going to be our next outing at work. Yes. Like, lunch trip to see this house. We'll take a selfie in front of... Oh, my God. In front of... And then somebody will come out and be like, get off of our apartment (laughs) complex yard. What are you doing, ladies? (laughs) Oh, you know. I'm sure, honestly, that they get a lot of it, I guess. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, it's a house. Okay, yeah. It's just a regular looking Mm -hmm. house. Yeah, it's probably like a duplex that somebody rents out. Gonna go it. do that. All right, cool. We're gonna go stock a house apparently. So, Merry Christmas to everyone. Merry Since Christmas. This it will come out on the Tuesday of Christmas. We hope that you have a nice holiday with your friends and family if you do celebrate Christmas. And we hope that you will head to our Instagram page to look at all of these photos. And you can find us on Instagram at Coworkers Killing Time. You can find us on Facebook by searching Coworkers Killing Time podcast and listen to all of our episodes. And you can email us at coworkerskillingtime at gmail.com. You got it. Please email us. We want to hear from you. Yes, we would love to hear episode suggestions. And this is actually the announcement because we are starting a new segment on the podcast called Around the Water Cooler. So for one episode a month will be about current events. So if you see any funny current events, true crime current events, Anything you want to send us, please send it to our Gmail. So thank you guys so much for listening and have a great holiday. Bye. Thank you. Bye.